I love this passage. I love this whole section. Truly a favorite of mine. Last week we began to unpack this section of scripture. We couldn't get too far because there's just so much richness to this text. Uh, that Jesus' discourse here on anxiety, something we all struggle with or experience in ever, our everyday lives. And we've seen that the reason we should not be anxious because we have a whole book of promises from God assuring us of his love for us and how he is there for us, his promises to provide for us. And that should give us peace. And if we believe those promises, we have no reason to be anxious as Christians because we have a heavenly father who loves us and has promised to take care of us. If we do get anxious, though, we saw that it reveals that we might have a lack of trust in God in some area of our life. That really every time that we find ourselves getting anxious, we, we are rediscovering a new area that we can surrender that part of our heart to God. And that thought really flows through all the examples that Jesus is going to cover this morning in, uh, in this section. So I really got... I really wanted to address it up front last week, and it, my introduction became the whole sermon. <laughs> There's just so much richness to that, and into the main point that Jesus is bringing. So uh, this, this week, you know, I'm going to highly rely on last week's message, so you guys uh, are highly encouraged to check out uh, the video on our Facebook page or our podcast that we uh, give out every week of the, of the teaching uh, to catch yourself up, but we're going to see how that main thought really flows through these verses that we are covering this morning. So, let us turn our attention back to the text, because I only want this to be a two-part series and not a three-parter. So Jesus begins this discourse saying, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. When he says, do not worry about what you will eat, drink, or wear, at first glance, this seems like, you know, a third world issue, doesn't it? As Americans, we don't worry about eating or drinking or what, what, finding clothing too much, do we? So there, there's a tendency to kind of skip over this verse. But yet, to some degree, um, to some degree, that is what's being addressed here. But there's another side to this. The worry about basic provisions. And, you know, it kind of sounds like this sometimes. It sounds like, oh, I can't come to church because I need to work. I, how will I afford to eat, drink, and buy new clothes if I don't work all these excessive hours that keep me from attending church? or serving God, or giving to God, whatever it is. This problem really is as relevant as it ever has been today. And I'm going to kind of address the how to respond to that towards the end of today's message, but in short, I believe we put the cart before the horse. And there's a special promise at the end of this that puts things right. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit. I'm going to just hold on to that thought. But Jesus goes on saying, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? Jesus really was a master communicator. I highly encourage anybody who is going into the field of education or communications to study how Jesus taught. He was a masterful illustrator. Uh, One of my favorite examples is from John 15 when he's talking about the vine and the branches. Many of you guys know that passage. If you follow the chronology of the gospel, Jesus was likely walking through or near a vineyard as he's explaining that passage. So he sees these vines and these branches and the grapes growing on them, and he integrates that into his message of how we need God and how we need to be connected to him, abiding in the vine. And he makes this beautiful example out of it. And in light of that, I can't help, as Jesus gives his example about the birds of the air, think that, oh, knowing Jesus, oh, I'm willing to bet that he put that at that point a flock of birds just flew overhead it's like look at those guys you see them all worried and anxious how much more why are you anxious if i take care of them am i not going to take care of you no i can't prove that <laughs> that that happened but it's just the poetic nature of the scriptures points me in that direction so forgive me for that um, pondering out loud if you will but this is one of jesus's lesser to greater arguments he says if i care for this if i care for these birds how much more so am i going to take care of you you see jesus using this logic often throughout the gospel so be on the lookout for it but And he does it that way because unlike the birds, you guys are extra special. You are made in the image and likeness of God. That is a special privilege afforded to us that you don't see God describing the rest of creation with. You are where he says in other areas that you are worth more than many sparrows. It's worth thinking about. That if we are that special to God, of course, he's going to take care of us. And then he kind of puts an interesting twist on it as he moves into verse 27 where he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Whew, that's a, that's a harsh one, isn't it? Do we intuitively know that to be true or what? I mean... Since when did we actually think that if we really, really got worried about something, the problem is going to go away that much faster? No, that hasn't been my experience, and I'm sure it hasn't been yours as well. You know, we talked about this uh, a little bit last week, so I'm not going to go into it too much, but it's like going on a plane. You know, you have very little control of the situation when you step onto a plane. It's all, how well that plane flies has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the pilot and their competence. So if you're nervous about how the pilot's going to do, you're going to be nervous from takeoff to landing. But if you trust them, you're going to be relaxed the whole time and enjoy the flight, if you will. So we ought to trust our heavenly pilot, if you will. So no, worrying doesn't give us any more time. Any more energy or add a cubit to our stature, as other translations say, which is a unit of height measurement. Because if anything, worrying robs us of our time, 
of our energy, of our productivity. It, it robs us. It doesn't give us anything. And so what do we say in light of these things? Jesus continues on and says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? I'm going to stop there actually just for a moment. Because certainly there are people who have a very high opinion of the birds of the air. I've met many bird lovers in my time, but certainly nobody loves grass. We literally drive machines in our lawns that decapitate those things once a week or so in the summertime. And get rid of them, throw them out, get rid of it. Certainly we don't care for that, do we? And yet God still takes care of the grass. How much more so is he going to take care of you? I do love his mention here about the lilies of the field, though. Because it, it strikes me that the creator of those lilies would stop and remark on their beauty for a moment. It's uh, how nature itself is a reflection of the, the beauty, the majesty, and the creativity of our God. And we shouldn't miss that here. As Jesus uses nature itself as an example of how God is going to take care of us. As reflected in the beauty of nature around us. Actually reminds me of that hymn that we sing. Uh, All creatures of our God and King. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. As all nature itself sings to His glory. And again, personally... I have little doubt in my mind that somewhere on this mountaintop is a patch of flowers that Jesus is referring to. Oh, to have that view. <laughs> but I do find it remarkable that after Jesus mentions that we shouldn't be anxious over food, over clothing, over basic provisions, he goes on to say in these next few verses that it's really beneath us to be anxious over these things. As these are the things that the Gentiles who do not know God are worried about these things. As he goes on in verse 32, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, this verse is familiar to us to the point of it almost becoming a vain repetition, isn't it? I mean, we know this verse, don't we? But do we know this verse? I mean, being honest, I had no idea what that verse... I mean, I knew what it said from being raised in this church. I knew what it said. I had no idea what it really meant until sometime in college as I'm reading through this and really thinking through the, the implications of this. So let's retrace Jesus' logic here, because I think he's got some really deep things that he wants us to understand. First, being anxious over these things. That's the things that the Gentiles who don't know God, what they do. Because if there is no God, 
and you don't have all the promises of Scripture that we can rely on, you're alone in this world. You have a reason to be anxious. And if you, you're, you're alone in this world, you have to provide for yourself. There's no heavenly father to take care of you and provide for you. There's no greater purpose to your, to your life. You're just a distant relative of a monkey searching for its next banana. That's all that you are if there is no God. That doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside when you think about it, does it? I know it doesn't for me as I consider these things. But for the believer, that's not true. You have a Father in heaven who loves you, who loves you so much he sent his only son to die for you, to give, to allow all of your sins, past, present, and future, to be covered so that the heavenly gates would be opened when we arrive one day, saying, welcome into my kingdom because of what he has done for us. That's a beautiful promise, and that's a beautiful truth. And he who didn't withhold his own son, why would he withhold basic provisions from you? If God did the greatest act of love, how is he not going to help you with the basic things? That's a challenging thought. And let me challenge all of us just for a moment. If you are worried and you are anxious about anything in this lifetime, you didn't learn that mindset from studying the Bible. You never found yourself reading through the scriptures and thought to yourself, oh, wow, I really need to be worried about this. No, we learned that from somewhere else, if we did. We learned that it was an acceptable way to react to situations from maybe a family member, a mom or a dad growing up who was prone to that kind of worriedness, uh, or, uh, or from our own pre-Christian experiences, wherever it was, you didn't get it from reading and studying the scriptures. You didn't get this reaction to become worried and anxious about things because you've been convinced by the scriptures you should be. If anything, the opposite is true. Jesus is saying here by this is what the Gentiles do. He's saying that when we are anxious and we're worried about all of these things that God promises to take care of, He's saying we're acting like an atheist. Have you thought about that? So guys, my challenge to you guys is in those moments, stop thinking like an atheist. Start thinking like a Christian. Start thinking about if God has promised to take care of me, what does that mean for my situation? And see if that maybe changes us. And the second thing is because... Again, because your father knows that you need these things. And we have that whole book of promises of how God's going to take care of you. We don't have to be worried. And because we don't have to be worried about these basic provisions of life, you as a child of God have been freed up to put your concerns towards something far more important. The kingdom of God and his righteousness that we are called to seek first. The kingdom of God, God's kingdom, the things of God, and his righteousness, meaning to living a righteous biblical lifestyle. And God is saying that if we put those things first, all these other things that the world is worried about, using all of its energy seeking, God is going to take care of them. 
He'll take care of the rest. Think about it, guys. This is a promise from God recorded in Scripture. That's something you could take to the bank. It's an absurdly amazing promise, too. That if you put the things of me first, I will take care of the rest. That is crazy. Thank God it's so true, though. Our number one reason why we're anxious, though, is we don't do it. As Americans living here in the West, we don't do this. In the busyness of our lives, we give God secondary priority rather than our first top priority, don't we? We read the Bible if we have time. We serve him at church if we have time. We give if it's convenient in our budget that month. And guys, I'm here to give you a little spark of reality that I'm sure you guys know. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's always one more thing that has to get done or one more season that seems like it's going to be more convenient. You just have to decide to do it God's way and trust his promise to work it together according to this incredible, unbelievable promise that he gives us here in this verse. So here's my second challenge to everyone today. And I really hope that you guys hear me on this one. This could change your life. When you go home, I want you to take out your calendar. I want you to take out your budget. When you take out your calendar, write it in when you're going to spend time with God. When you're going to read the scripture, when you're going to pray to him, when you're going to do your personal devotional time. I don't care what it looks like. It could be a video on YouTube. I don't care. (laughs) Put that in your time. Mark it off and make that top priority for you. And the same thing with your budget as we're moving up into the next month. Decide in advance what you want to give to God. And make all your other financial decisions around that one. Make all of your time decisions and all of your financial decisions around those two decisions. Let the rest of your life fall around those decisions, making those decisions top priority rather than just squeezing God in when you have the time. It changes your life. I know that this is true in my own life. I've done it both ways. It has to get done this way because otherwise there will always be one more thing. Always one more task that you need to take care of before you settle, before you sit down with the scriptures at the time you wrote down. There will always be um, one, more, um, one more task that you need to do. Always one more errand that you need to run. Always the excuse of, oh, next week is a better week to get started. And God knows it's true of your finances as well. As soon as some of you make this decision, I'm going to put God first in my finances, the alternator in your car is going to break. The water heater is going to go. It it always happens. It's just how this works. So decide now what your commitment is going to be. And put God first, seeking him first in his kingdom, his righteousness. Put God first and you will see that he will take care of you even when those things happen. And not always with what you want, by the way, but always with what you need 
There's a difference. And we all, we're prone to get that confused here in America. But he will always provide what we need. Not always the way that we want. Which, by the way, many people miss one of God's primary methods of providing for us. We, we, we miss it over and we don't give it the, the emphasis that is given in the scriptures. Because his great opportunity for provision is dressed in overalls and it looks like work. Read the scriptures. Read the book of Proverbs and see the emphasis God puts on, how, on the importance of hard work. And how the many principles that there are in there of how God takes care of those who, who do such things. But as we move towards our conclusion, a topic, addressing the topic of anxiety could not possibly be complete without first examining our reading from Philippians chapter 4 this morning. This is such a jewel of scriptures and I'm so glad Elaine highlighted that because you cannot say enough good things about this section it, it, it could be and it should be a sermon unto itself so we'll have to come back to this someday so I'm just going to summarize kind of the main point of this and you guys can see it in the scriptures later but in short the, that peace that transcends understanding that it talks that peace doesn't come automatically to everyone who calls himself a Christian. It's actually part of a conditional promise. To summarize the theme and put it into my own language, it says, be anxious about nothing because you pray about everything. Be anxious about nothing because you pray about everything. It's when we have, it's when we take our prayer requests, our anxieties, our concerns, and we give them to God in prayer. That's when, why Paul can write that, you know, that's when the peace that transcends understanding comes to us. So rather than becoming anxious, I take my problem, whatever it is, and with prayer as the mechanism, I transfer its ownership of that problem from myself to God. And now he is working alongside me to take care of it. That's what happens when we pray. And that should give us peace. It's like the same kind of peace that happens if I have a plumbing problem at my house. I'm concerned about it. Water's getting everywhere. And I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm the least handy person in this room right now. Imagine the peace if I get, off the, I get on the phone and I'm calling a plumber who I trust and I hear the words, uh, John, I'll take care of it. I'm on my way now. Oh, the peace it's going to make a man with two left hands like myself feel. How much more so, God? How much more so with the worries and cares of this world that when we take our things and give them to God for him to, in a very real spiritual sense, him to say to you, I'll take care of it. That's a good feeling. And it's such a good feeling that it gives us peace even when things aren't going our way. Let's remember, this is the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this book from jail. He was in prison when he wrote this letter. 
Could you imagine him saying the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus when he's in jail? That's the kind of peace he can give you. That surpasses some people's understandings. But it's true. And it'll guard you whatever's going on. He is, after all. I mean, this isn't the first time. In Acts chapter 16, he was locked up again with, uh, with, with Silas. And he was the guy up till midnight praying and singing hymns. You think his inmates, his fellow inmates, had any idea what was going on? What's up with this guy? No, I don't think for a moment they could wrap their minds around how Paul was handling that trial. And it made God look glorious. So to take the theme out of my last few sermons and kind of tie a bow around all of them together, when you make Jesus Christ your all-sufficient and all-satisfying treasure, there is nothing in life that you need to be anxious about. Because nothing can take that treasure from you. Your treasure is secure. And whatever is going to happen in this world is going to happen, but you will still be able to say, it is well with my soul. So to conclude with Jesus' words, because as always, his are better than mine, he ends on this beautiful note saying, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day, is its own trouble. Do not lose your peace today because of what may happen tomorrow. Enjoy the peace of God today by setting your heart and your mind on him today. Thanks be to God. Amen.